Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I said, well, if you're just going to give it all back, I would really like to have some dental implants. He never said to me, this is a loan. The only time he ever brought up me paying him back was during his cocktail hours in the evening times. This is the plaintiff, Richard Roberts. He says he and the defendant lived together, and he helped her out of a lot of jams. Then, one day, when he was at a doctor's appointment, she up and left the home they shared and moved all the way down to Florida without even telling him. Well, he's certainly not about to let this woman get away with not paying him the $3,500 she owes him for the dental implants he paid for, and is suing for just that today. is the defendant, Jessica. She says she always had a big crush on the plaintiff, and they did move in together when she was in Arizona. Unfortunately, they started to have problems, and the plaintiff told her she had 30 days to pack her bags and get out, so she did. The only reason the man's suing her now for some false teeth is because he's mad she left him. Anyway, a gift is a gift, so she owes nothing. She's accused of a dental dilemma. All parties, please use your right hand. What you are about to witness is real. The participants are not actors. They are actual litigants with a case pending in civil court. Both parties have agreed to drop their claims and have their cases settled here before Judge Marilyn Millian in our forum, the People's Court. People's Court is now in session. The Honorable Judge Marilyn Millian is now presiding. Litigants have been sworn, Your Honor. Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome, ma'am. <laughs> Mr. Roberts, you and Ms. Jessica knew each other way back when. When did you guys first meet? Uh, I'm going to say at least 40 years ago. She was a stockbroker and in Phoenix, Arizona, where I and, uh, ran a or I uh, owned a uh, investment firm. Okay. Uh, so you guys somehow connect. How long ago? Reconnect. Uh she, I, as far as I know, or can remember, Raider moved, or the Jessica moved to um, uh, Phoenix to take care of her um, ailing stepfather and mother somewhere around 2014, something like that. And, All right, and, and then you uh, two end up having a relationship, right? Yeah, we reconnected, and uh, it was good to see each other. We've had we've had feelings for each other for a long time, and we ended up cohabitating and she was commuting back and forth to Phoenix to take care of her ailing mother. Okay, and then what happens? Tell me about this loan that you say she was supposed to repay. There was a problem a couple of years ago where she required some a large sum of money for some uh, attorney's fees um, for a different- For what? Case. What was the problem? Well, the attorney's fees was for Jessica. She was trying to get a conservatorship over her mother because her mother was 
being taken advantage of, in our opinions, or her opinion, uh, by her um, granddaughter. So uh, Jessica was going to, uh, we had to, she paid an attorney to seek a conservatorship, which ultimately did not work out. But at that time, because it was a substantial amount of money, I loaned her the money and she agreed that it was a loan and she signed two promissory notes that I have I have supplied the court as evidence. I've seen those. Those are about the legal fees, right? The promissory notes yeah. that you put into evidence are about the legal fees. Your lawsuit's about dental work. So what's well, going on? I'm kind of confused. The reason, the, well, Your Honor, the reason why I didn't get a receipt for the dental work was I never got paid on the first promissory notes. Is that it? Because if you expect to get paid, uh, and you know you you don't get paid. One would think that would be the circumstance where you would most definitely get a promissory note, not be less likely to get a promissory note. Ms. Jessica, you have a very and by the way, you got these promissory notes that you're talking about on the legal fees in January of 2020. When was the dental work? I think the promissory notes were earlier than that. The promissory notes was. Uh, November of 2017. Actually, you're right. The, the the first promissory note was November of 2017. Then the second one that you had her hand right was January 22nd. Oh, I'm sorry, 2018. You're right. So then when is it that you loan her the money for the dental work? Then in February 28th of 2018, I loaned her $2,800. And then six months later, in August of 2018, I loaned her another $2,200 to the dentist so that she could seek, uh, she wanted to have some implants put in. I have a question for you, Mr. Roberts. I asked you earlier, why wouldn't you have a promissory note for the dental work? And your response to me was, well, what's the point? She didn't pay on the prior one. But now I'm learning that the handwritten promissory note that says I uh, owe another two grand besides the five grand was 30 days earlier. So your answer doesn't make a lot of sense. So think about that a little more and let me go to you, Ms. Jessica. What's going on here? He's correct. He did pay for my dental implants. Um, I did borrow money from him for an attorney for my mother. Um, By the way, was that when he says the granddaughter was taking advantage, is that your own daughter or your niece? No, that is my niece. My sister had just recently okay. passed away. Okay, but um, I guess the court didn't agree with you? Correct. Mr. Roberts was doing quite well in the stock market at that time. Uh, I tried to get him to put some money into savings, and he wouldn't do that. I said, well, if you're just going to give it all back, I would really like to have some dental implants. He never said to me, this is a loan. The only time he ever brought up me paying him back was during his cocktail hours in the evening times. But during the day when he's stone sober, he's never mentioned that to me. Hmm. In fact, according to you, his philosophy is that you can't, uh, what was that phrase you used? You can't hold anybody to anything they say after five o'clock? That's his phrase, all right. Can I ask you something? Really, really, really? Why was there a promissory note and then that other additional uh, writing on a piece of paper? Why were you guys documenting that? 
Um, I think it is because he was planning on getting paid back um, if I won the case against my mother and it would come out of inherited money. And there we go. So you guys were creating some kind of, of loan, which was a legitimate because he did front the money. So that way it would come out of somebody else's money. That is right. You see, I can smell this. That's why there's not a promissory <laughs> note for the other thing, because you were only going to pay him that if you ended up winning the conservatorship. So he's never sued you for the 7000 for the loan, for the lawyer's fees, right? That's correct. So let me ask you, Ms. Jessica, when did you guys break up? How long did you date? And why did you guys break up? Um, I moved in with him in November of 2014 and lived with him until <laughs> the end of March of 2019. And the reason we split His idea is, was the breakup, yeah. Well, it's because of the daily cocktail hours. He gets quite verbally abusive during that time, and it goes on day by day. And he promised me that he was not going to change at his age, and if I didn't like it, to leave. And he said, you have 30 days to get out of my house. So I did. All right. Uh, so, Mr. Roberts, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you, do you have any evidence that she ever agreed that she was going to pay you $3,500 for dental work and that that was a loan and not a gift? In other words... If you don't have a promissory note for that, perhaps you have e emails where she agrees that you loaned her the money and she's going to pay you, or texts where it's obvious that it was, in fact, a loan and not a gift between two people who lived together for five years. Can you show me any proof that it is, as you say, a debt from way back then rather than uh, a gift to your girlfriend? do not have an email or a promissory note, but I somewhat disagree. You have a text? You have a text? No. Nope. All right. So, and then I have another question. Did you ever sue her for seven grand for lawyer's fees where you do have promissory notes? No, because of the low limit in the, in the small claims court here in Arizona. I'd have to take that to Superior Court. And she didn't prove was going to pay that anyway. And it was nothing to do with her mother's estate. Her mother didn't have a lot of resources that paid $7,000 back anyway. So why did you have her write us? Uh, uh, everything you're saying sounds right. You should just take care of your mother because she took care of you. My question to you is, so why were you guys writing up these promissory notes? Which we all know were bogus. And the only reason they were written was in order, because you know she wasn't going to pay you. The only reason they were written is in order to get it from the court and to get it from the conservatorship. So you're standing here telling me how insulting that is, but it's exactly what the two of you did. The two of you, not just her, the two of you. So when I have a lawsuit, the plaintiff has the burden of proving the lawsuit. So the plaintiff has to prove that it is more likely than not that it's the way they are saying. You have come into court and said, it's a loan. She has come into court and said, it's a gift. And you have no proof that it's a loan. You are completely unable to tip that scale. But worse than that, I've got different proof. You look at me right in the eye and tell me, when I gave big sums of money, they were never gifts. Look at it. Look, see those promissory notes? And then we find out that those are just for the conservatorship. You've never sought to get back that 7000 and you just told me that oh, she was never going to pay that. So no, those promissory notes don't show one whit about owing you 3500 If anything, they show the opposite. 
So I am ruling in favor of the defendant in this case. Good luck, folks. Well, the defendant prevails in this case. Mr. Roberts, let me ask you, what are you thinking right now? How do you feel about the judge's decision? Well, Doug, it is what it is. You know, I, I, I have enjoyed the experience. I really quite don't quite agree with it. I think there's a misunderstanding uh, in this con to some of the concepts, but it is what it is. It was really fun to uh, get reamed out by uh, Judge Malone. All right. Well, that's the way the judge ruled. You're going to have to live with it. Jessica, let me ask you, are you surprised at the judge's decision? Were you worried? Did you think you were going to have to pay it? No, sir. This was never a loan. All right. Well, listen, were you, were you shocked when you got sued? How about that? Yes, I was very shocked. You happy with <laughs> you happy with the judge's decision? <laughs> yes, sir, I certainly am. I'm yes. glad she could see through all this. All right. Well, very good. Thank you very much, and congratulations. All right. Now, time to join the rejoin the judges for another session of After the Verdict. When you have a case like this that's essentially a little bit of a swearing contest, one person says it was A, one person says it was B, I couldn't help watching and thinking, this plaintiff would have been better off if he had never told you boo about <laughs> any promissory notes that he had in his past with this defendant. Especially ones that uh, he readily admits he never expected to see that money and ones that, I mean, did it, did it smell to you when you saw it? Yeah, it was almost like, um, I mean, a ticket for the Irish sweepstakes or something. If, if, if he won that, if she won that one case. Then he'd get it, and not from it. her, but from the conservatorship, from the right. mom's money. That's right. why right. he's all insulted about us. She's grabbing to, you know, for her mother's money, right. when, in fact, he appears to be as guilty as he suggests she is of it. Right. Because this paperwork is written up for no other reason than to get it from the mom, but never because he truly meant to obligate her to right, it. Right. Uh, but now the dental work is an obligation. Right. He didn't come to the table with very strong cards no. <laughs> in this lawsuit, let's face no. it. I was wondering, is there a way to make a legal contract without having to pay a lawyer to do it for you? Well, here's the thing about that. Yes, you can. You don't need a lawyer to draft a contract, especially simple ones. Because, you know, if you loan somebody money, you want to have a contract for that. And what you say is how much you loaned, when it's due back, is there interest and what happens if they don't pay you back? So you can do it, but if it gets at all complicated or if it involves a lot of money, I'm telling you, getting a lawyer is probably a good investment. That will do it for this case. Litigants inside the courtroom for the next case. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This is the plate of Terrence Goodrum. He says the defendant contacted him and hired him to paint the entire interior of her house. He was about 90% done with the job when the defendant told him she was getting someone else to finish up. Huh? All he had left was to do touch-ups. He's been paid nothing and is suing for the $1,000 contracted for and the price they agreed upon.
This is the defendant, Carmella Johnson. She says she can't stand white walls. So she hired the defendant, a so-called painter, to change the colors of her rooms to multiple shades of purple and teal. The guy told her it would take a day. And now, 16 days later, not only wasn't he done, her house was a complete mess. He got paint on her appliances, and it looked like a two-year-old painted her walls. And she could have done a better job on her own. She's accused of painting a guy into a corner. All parties, please use your right hands. Welcome back to the People's Court. Next case on the docket, the plaintiff says he was almost done painting the defendant's house when she abruptly kicked him off the property, wouldn't let him back on, and now stiffed him. But the defendant says the plaintiff paints like a two-year-old with a crayon, and she had to hire somebody else to fix all his mistakes. It's the case of Hugh Stink. Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome, ma'am. Okay, Mr. Goodrum, you were hired yes, by Ms. Johnson to paint her home. Tell me about it. What was the deal you guys struck? Okay, the original deal was she wanted me to paint her downstairs, and um, I called her, and she agreed, and we met up, and she agreed to the price, and I started that Saturday. What was the price? $1,000. Okay. And then what happened while you were there? Did that become also painting the top? Uh, what had happened, she wanted me to put the backsplash in, so I was going to do that after the painting. And on the second day, uh, I, I finished 90% of the painting, and then it was time for me to leave. She started acting real kind of strange, and then uh, we both agreed How that so? I would come back Monday morning. She kept asking me about a crew. You, Terrence, why didn't you bring your crew? Why didn't you bring your crew? Everyone knows that I, I work alone. I don't have a crew. And on the second day when I was leaving, I'm supposed to come back the next day on that Monday. And then Monday morning, I called her to let her know. And she sent me a message telling me that she, let me see, how did she put it? Unfortunately, I wasn't expecting you that morning. And I'm saying, unfortunately, you're not expecting me that morning. That's the deal we had that I'm supposed to finish your house. And then all of a sudden she called so, me. So uh, can I, I can I ask you? So you had how many days had you worked at that point? Two days. Okay. So what is it she says she wants you to do what? And then when I sent her the text message that demanded my money, that's when she told me that was the range, and we never had a contract. And I'll see her in court. Can I ask you a question? It was a thousand dollars to paint what, according to you? To paint the interior of her home. All of it, including the bedrooms upstairs. Including a couple of bedrooms, yes. And by the time, by that second day, how far along had you gotten? By the second day, I completed 90% of the downstairs, the kitchen, the living room, uh, with four colors, with four colors of purple. Had you done any of the bedrooms upstairs? No. Okay, let me hear from you, Ms. Johnson. What seems to be the problem? Hi, Judge. Um, I hired um, Mr. Gurdrum um, on June the 10th. He came by the house. I made a few a phone call to him a few days prior, and we agreed upon um, $1,000 for four bedrooms, one of which is my office, and my living room, dining room, and my kitchen for 1000 plus the backsplash for my kitchen. So he told me he would actually be able to do it in a day. So he um, he came by that do you Saturday. Have any, can I ask you a question? I know you folks don't have a written contract, which would be helpful. But do you have any texts or emails or anything else that you could show me that would prove that he said 
four bedrooms, a living room, a backsplash, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, would take one day? Because I know yeah. it can't take a day. So I'm wondering, can right. you prove he said it would take a day? No ma'am, that was verbal between he and I. So I asked him, I said, I'm really confused because this is day two. And I thought maybe you had a crew that was going to come with you. That would be the only way you could finish in a day. I was like, but I was so shocked when I came downstairs, Judge, because it wasn't even near finished. It wasn't even 90% done. Um, you have pictures there? Yes, I do have pictures. Okay, these are his pictures, not yours. So you took pictures, which is good. Every contractor should do that whenever they're doing a job. These are your pictures, right, sir? Yes. Um, that's, okay, that's so you took a picture of it before, and then this is the work that you had done, which basically leaves the cut-in to, to be finished. You didn't like how this looks because you felt like a two-year-old had done it, but really that's just, you know, that's just uh, cutting it in. It's not that much that's left. Now, here are pictures that he took and he introduced into evidence of it cut in. So at day two or day three, I guess, according to you, how long was he there before you got tired of him and told him not to come back? I didn't tell him not to come back when he was here. Um, he was here two days. He was here for 16 hours and hadn't completed this downstairs. 16 hours. Yes, 16 hours and he hadn't completed here, the downstairs. Um, All right. Do you have the pictures there that I sent? Yes. Let's look at those if you want to. Okay, tell me what these show. What is this picture supposed to show? This is how he left my home uh, for six days before. With I was the furniture in the middle of the room. room. I couldn't sit right. down in my dining room or yeah anywhere. Yeah, it's always rough to do construction. So you say this is how he left but your the, home. Yes. And, hold on, and Mr. Goodrum, you say she didn't let you finish, right? She wouldn't let me finish. Let's look at the text. Hold on. Okay. Terrence, I need this whole downstairs completed by tomorrow. Please include him with the backsplash, with everything put back together, please. And then you say to her, Mr. Goodrum, good morning. Yes. Unfortunately, due to a prior commitment we discussed before I accepted this job, I will not be able to be at your home until 10 or 11 this morning. However, I am somewhat perplexed by the direction of the conversation we were having as I was exiting your home. Every aspect of this job has been performed with professionalism and within a timely manner and absolutely no destruction to your personal property. So I'm completely taken aback by the assumption that I have not spent every moment at your job on the task of completing the beautification of your home. In the two days I've been at your home, I've performed an extraordinary amount of work towards the beautification of your home. So I'm somewhat confused by your statement that you didn't bring a crew. So in order for me to utilize all the time I've been allotted to complete the task, can you move all the things off the counter for the installation of the backsplash? So then um, you say, let's do this since it's gone past the time we allotted and scheduled at the beginning. Just complete the painting downstairs and just paint underneath the cabinets and put everything back in order. Clean up everything used and bring that sheet for the backsplash. I'll get it done somehow and my upstairs. Well, you're changing the contract on him and you're saying you're changing it because he violated the contract because he said he finished everything in a day. But if you, wanna, if you want to have that defense, you got to prove that defense. You're saying to him, I've got to move forward. My week is pre-planned. I can't be here all week. I just can't. Thank you for doing what you've done so far. I will gladly accommodate you for the downstairs painting. To which he says, at no time during our previous discussion that I indicate I would be complete with your home in two days. You say to him, what time tomorrow can we complete this task as stated in my previous test? And he says, I've cleared my schedule today, Monday, at your request to finish this project today. 
As indicated by your reply text, you have decided not to allow me to finish. How would you have finished that project today anyway? You hadn't even started on the upstairs. You weren't going to finish it all that right. day. You have decided right. not to allow me to finish. And then you tell her you've breached your contract. And I am requesting the 2500 we agreed upon. Right there. So tell me, Mr. Goodrim, where did she agree to $2,500 for the work that had already been completed? Why are you sending this that text? Ma'am, that was a mistake on my part. Me and her never agreed to $2,500. Terrence, you know darn well you and I didn't at any time discuss no $2,500 about nothing. I'll see you in court, which is true because she's thinking you're trying to scam her. And then she says, and be sure to show your contract. You have no idea who you're dealing with here. Do not text me again. You're deranged. But you understand that's not her saying, I never authorized you to do work in my house. You've got pictures of, do, of yourself doing work and uh, pictures of the work you did in that house. That's her saying, are you out of your mind? I didn't authorize $2,500. And that's her getting mad thinking you're scamming her. Do you understand that? What ends up happening, Ms. Johnson? You end up paying somebody else to finish a job, correct? That is correct. Because what I offered Terrence in some previous texts was, I said, just come back and finish what you've done downstairs, I'll find somebody. I know, but it's not flash. I know, but that's you trying to change a contract. You don't get the right to change a contract. The agreement was he gets to get a whole thousand because if he's just going to do the downstairs, you're not going to pay him a thousand. So I find, Ms. Johnson, that it is very clear in this case that you were the one who breached the contract. The question then becomes, Mr. Goodrum, how much should you get paid? Yes, she breached the contract, but it's not as though you had already finished the upstairs. You hadn't even started on the upstairs yet, right? You're right. Okay. So yes, it should be something less than the thousand. Because in the end, you didn't have to paint those four upstairs. So the figure I'm going to come up with, which takes into account that it was her breach, is $750. I'm going to order you to pay the plaintiff $750. Verdict for the plaintiff. Good luck, folks. Thank you. Thank you, Judge. So the plaintiff gets only $750. Ms. Johnson, what do you think about the judge's verdict? You're going to have to give him $750. Well, I didn't agree with it because he didn't do a good job. Paint was all on my ceiling. I had to hire someone to come in and fix it like I wanted it done professionally. And as you can see behind me, it's done professionally. So I'm happy with my new painter and not happy with the verdict, but... It is what it is. The judge rules. Okay. All right, Mr. Goodrum. Uh, I'm quite satisfied um, with the verdict. Uh, I feel it's unfortunate that uh, I did work for her and for her to uh, say that she wasn't happy with my work. Uh, none of the text messages that we that I received indicated anything other than her being extremely happy with my work. All right. Le learn a lesson. Next time, get a written contract. You'll be better off. Okay? Yes, sir. Very good. Okay. All right. That wraps it up for this case. Now, time for another session of After the Verdict. Marilyn, if you contract with someone for a particular service to paint, to repair, and you need it done within a deadline, you darn well better have that deadline in writing, or you're at their mercy, pretty right. much, right? If time is of the essence, then say time is of the essence and put down on a written contract. It doesn't even, I mean, listen, I've always said grab the nearest roll of toilet paper and a crayon. It doesn't matter. Anything can be a contract. Right. And if you don't have it in writing, then at least send an email with your understanding and someone saying, yes, that's correct. Yeah, and then, then, they, validate, then there's they validate your evidence position. of your verbal contract. Exactly. You yeah. basically have very strong evidence. I just, I don't think that there's any chance that he would ever say, I'll finish that in a day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that does seem unlikely.
Can the country mandate mask wearing or is it up to the individual states? That is a great question. And realistically, the federal government cannot mandate mask wearing. Um, I suppose they could try it under some emergency act, but I don't think it would stick because COVID is hitting the country in different ways where some states are safer than others. So it is the state's responsibility generally. I will say it is the federal government's responsibility to set an example and make it clear to people that mask wearing and social distancing prevents COVID. That will do it for this case. Let's go back into the courtroom for the next. These are the plaintiffs, Barbara and Stanley Beard. Barbara says they've lived peacefully in their house for 20 years and want to continue to do so. But the defendants can't control their dogs and it's become a big bone of contention between them. The defendant's dog constantly digs holes in their fence, damaging it. And the problem hasn't been resolved by the defendants trying to use bricks and tires to cover up the holes. They're here suing their neighbors for the $2,625 it's going to cost to fix their fence. These are the defendants, Faye and William Seward. Faye says, first of all, when they moved into their house in 2011, the fence was already in terrible shape. Secondly, they have two 15-pound dogs who don't dig holes. And thirdly, she's been in and out of the hospital after neck surgery and a head-on collision and can't wait to put this lawsuit behind them. They're accused of being doggone neglectful. All parties, please raise your right hands. Welcome back to the People's Court. Next case on the docket, the plaintiffs and the defendants are neighbors, and they're in a big fight over a fence. The plaintiffs say the defendants' dogs ruined that fence. But the defendants say the fence was in disrepair when they moved in in 2011, and they owe nothing. It's the case of being doggone neglectful. Okay, Mr. and Mrs. Beard, uh, you folks are, you share a back fence with each other, you and the defendants? Yes. Yes. Okay. And um, tell me what happened to the fence that you feel it's their responsibility to fix it. Um, the dogs were digging underneath the fence, and for them to try to control the fences, they would the dogs they were putting stuff up against the fence, and the fence is leaning over now because of that. that okay. The, uh, the one of the posts are cracked, and the. Uh, um, and the other thing, um, the slats. The slats are starting to pop out because of all the stuff that they were piling up against it to prevent the dogs from coming in. Okay, so this is a picture that's taken. Is this all the stuff on their side? Yes. Wow. <laughs> okay. Um, what kind of dogs does she have? Do you know? I have no idea. What kind of dogs, Mr. and Mrs. Seward, what kind of dogs do you have? Chihuahua mix. Okay. Well, they're oh, diggers, apparently. Yeah. This is the fence is leaning in. This picture that I'm looking at is taken from your property? Yes. yes. All right. Yes. And yes. all this yes. all this happens what year? It, it was really beginning to happen around in 2015. I was calling the uh, code enforcement, the animal control, and that's when they were starting to pile the stuff up against the fence to prevent the dogs from digging underneath the fence. Okay. So they start putting stuff against the fence, and how long does it take before that starts to ruin the fence? About two years. 
All right, so now um, there was also a tree in question. This is a yes. palm tree, and here's a picture of it. Are you standing in your property when you take that picture? Yes. So this palm tree is growing, and is the fence a shared fence? Is it on the property line? Did one person install it? Did another person? What is this fence? We put the fence up. What happened with right. this tree? Because that's ruining the fence, too. I, we don't know how old the tree is. It was there since we moved there 23 years ago. So as the tree is growing, it's growing wider and wider and wider. And that's when it starts to push against the fence. So in, we made an agreement that if you fix, they told us that they were going to fix the fence. And here is an agreement you guys reached. When did you reach this agreement? In 2018, August of 2018. Yes where you're going to remove the palm tree and they're going to repair the fence, correct? Correct. And that was in good faith. Okay. Did you remove the palm tree at your own expense? Yes. Did they fix the fence? Nope. No, ma'am. Okay. Mr. and Mrs. Seward, let me hear from you. What's going on? We moved in in 2011. That fence was already in bad shape. In fact, we went to them a few days after we got there and asked them if we could go through their backyard and repair some of it because it was coming apart, and which we did. And I sent pictures of the bolts that we put in through our side, through their side to ours. I admit our dogs have dug under her fence, but yes, we did put things up against the fence, but the fence was already in really bad shape. We even offered to pay half when we moved in. I said, I would pay for half that fence, and you can pay for half the fence. And we did agree if she would take the fence, I mean, excuse me, if she would take the tree down, we would replace the fence with the fence in our backyard that she But then you didn't. Had. But then you didn't. I, I didn't. Let me explain. And I apologize, but I had to have open heart surgery on 2018. I was unable to physically do anything. And then right about the time I was getting ready to be admitted to, I mean, discharge of being okay, I was in a head-on crash and ended up with neck surgery where I had a disc removed and fused two few, uh, things. So physically for two years, we have not been able to. I have, she called. But wait, what, said, what's he doing? Okay. So while she was trying to come back to being a healthy human, what were you doing that you couldn't get it fixed? I was, I was helping her and I was working full time. I've been working. And it takes two to repair a fence, not one. Then you can afford to pay somebody to fix it if you don't have time to fix it, you see? Here's the thing. If she was suing you two months after you'd written the agreement, I understand. But this is a person who waited two years. You're going to tell me that in two years you didn't have an afternoon to do what you promised you would do? And so where are we? You finally wake up. I don't know why you're waiting two full years. Why do you wait two full years? But you do. And then what do we have? You run into her at Walmart or something, and then she says, oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to fix. And then nothing happens. And then you text her, and then the fun begins. Give me one moment. At some point, she texts you, and this is on May 25th. Is that of this year? Yes. Where you say, Faye, this is Barbara behind your yard. Back in 818, you and your husband signed a statement that you would fix my fence. Please reply back by text on a date when you plan to fix the fence. You say to her, this is to inform you that as of June, we are selling the property and will no longer be residing there, so you're welcome to fix your own fence.
What? Are you kidding me? They paid $400 to remove the palm tree based on your promise, and you have the nerve to say, hey, I didn't get around to it, and not, I'm so sorry, let me take care of it. It's, I didn't get around to it, and, oh, and by the way, hey, <laughs> we're moving, so you can fix your own fence. Shame on you. You see, that document that you signed back in August 18th is a contract. A contract is someone making you an offer and you making an acceptance, and the two of you give up something. They give up $400 and remove a palm tree because it was damaging their fence, and you let them pay that $400 because you promised that you're going to repair the fence. Repair the fence. That is what your contract says. Now, Mr. and Mrs. Baird, let us talk about what it is that it's going to cost you to replace that fence, because that's the deal you struck with her, to repair that fence. And you have an estimate for replacing the entire fence. It's $2,225, but you're also suing for the $400 to cut down the palm tree, right? Correct. Well, how, how come? Because their obligation to fix the fence comes from the contract you're trying to enforce, which meant that you're supposed to eat the palm tree. Well, they never fixed the, the well, okay, I can understand what you're going at. Yeah, yeah. You know, so they never fix the fence. I am finding in favor of the plaintiff. You don't need to say another word. I'm finding in favor of the plaintiff in this case in the amount of $2,225. That's what you're out by virtue of them breaching the contract, the $400 you were always supposed to absorb. And, of course, your court costs. Verdict for the plaintiff. Thank you, Your Honor. Permit. So the plaintiff gets a judgment of $2,200, a little bit over that, uh, against the defendants, the Seawards. Mr. Ms. Seward, let me just ask you a couple of questions. Uh, the judge kind of let you have it in this trial today. You kind of come off looking like really rather nasty neighbors. How do you respond to that? We're not nasty neighbors. I'm glad she won. She's happy. That's all that matters. We have moved, and we're happy. Life goes on. So you're gone. You're not there anymore. You've moved totally away. But you still have to pay this money, you know? It's a legal judgment. So you're going it, it, okay. to have to pay. It, it's It's over. It's fine. It's over. And the judge rules, and I abide by the rules. Okay, very good. You seem happy about it, but I'm sure you're not. Ms. Beard, Mr. and Ms. Beard, how about you? How do you feel about this now? Right now, her daughter's living there, and they have a dog that barks all day long. Really? They got a <laughs> so you still got another problem. Oh, I forgot to ask the judge. I would like to know if we could go on their property to fix the fence. That's when uh, you'll have to talk to your neighbors about that. Anyway, no, congratulations. You're getting a little over $2,200 from, uh, you know, from your neighbor, and they are going to have to pay. So that's it. Thank you very much. Very interesting neighborly dispute. Now, let's get another session now of After the Verdict. Here are the judges. Well, uh, 50 or 60 years ago, the American poet Robert Frost said that Good fences make good neighbors. And I think that's probably true. And it, this wasn't a very good fence. And <laughs> things kind of went sideways yeah. between these folks. Yeah. yeah. So the plaintiff had asked an interesting question. At the end, she said, wait, can I go on their property to fix the fence? Um, there's a new owner now, even though it is right. your daughter. You'd have to have their permission, because you'd be trespassing to go on their property. Right. But what she needs to do is she needs to check her building and zoning department and ask them for some guidance. Because right. based on what I have ruled here today, that they should have fixed the fence, I, I have to imagine that there would be a very simple way for her to get permission from the authorities, whether it's building and zoning or whether she has to apply to right. a court for that kind of permission. 
I do not recommend just showing up on their property, no. especially if there's dogs and, right. you know, the dogs that they're, they're trying to pen in uh, with her fence. But, you know, she's going to have to come to some kind of either agreement with the new person who's there, who apparently is their daughter, or um, she's going to have to seek some uh, authority from building and zoning and or her, her local court to get permission to go on there. And I strongly suggest that she call the police, too and have them right. present while it's going on. Right. Because I don't know who called who a bee, but somebody there, you know. Yeah, there's some colorful language. There was right some there colorful language and coming out of there. Um, so, in the hallway. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, well, hopefully whoever's there next really wants a nice fence and this whole thing gets well, it's done. Well, their daughter. Yeah. Well. We'll see. When the COVID vaccine comes out, will everybody be forced to get one? They cannot realistically force everybody to take a vaccine. And the problem is that a lot of people aren't taking it because they're anti-vaxxers or they're afraid. And these vaccines are gonna be vital to tamping down COVID. So this may not take us out of the woods even when a vaccine is developed.